0: chapter seven of virgin soil volume one by ivan turgenev translated by constance garnett this librivox recording is in the public domain the spacious and comfortable room to which the servant conducted neshtanov looked out on the garden its windows were open and a light breeze was faintly fluttering the white blinds they swelled out like sails rose and fell again gleams of golden light glided slowly over the ceiling The whole room was full of a fresh rather moist fragrance of spring nishtanov began by dismissing the servant unpacking his trunk washing and changing his clothes the journey had utterly exhausted him the constant presence for two whole days of a stranger with whom he had had much varied and aimless talk had worked upon his nerves something bitter not quite weariness nor quite anger was secretly astir in the very bottom of his soul he raged against his faint-heartedness and still his heart sank he went up to the window and began looking at the garden it was an old-world garden of rich black soil such a garden as one does not see this side of moscow it was laid out on a long sloping hillside and consisted of four clearly marked divisions in front of the house for two hundred paces stretched the flower garden with straight little sandy paths groups of acacias and lilacs and round flower beds on the left past the stable yard right down to the threshing floor lay the fruit garden closely planted with apple pear and plum trees currants and raspberries just opposite the house rose intersecting avenues of limes forming a great close quadrangle the view on the right was bounded by the road shut in by a double row of silver poplars behind a clump of weeping birches could be seen the round roof of a greenhouse the whole garden was in the tender green of its first spring foliage There was no sound yet of the loud summer buzz of insects the young leaves twittered and chaffinches were singing somewhere and two doves cooed continually in the same tree and a solitary cuckoo called shifting her place at each note and from the distance beyond the mill-pond came the caw in chorus of the rooks like the creaking of innumerable cartwheels and over all this fresh secluded peaceful life the white clouds floated softly with swelling bosoms like great lazy birds eshtanov gazed listened drank in the air through parted chilling lips and his heart grew lighter a sense of peace came upon him too meanwhile in the bedroom downstairs there was talk about him sipyagin was telling his wife how he had made his acquaintance and what prince g had told him and what discussions they had had on the journey a good brain he repeated and plenty of information it's true he's a red republican but as you know that's nothing to me These fellows have ambition anyway and besides kolya's too young to pick up any nonsense from him valentina Mihalovna listened to her husband with an affectionate though ironical smile as though he had been confessing a rather strange but amusing prank it was positively agreeable to her that her seigneur et maitre so solid a man so important an official was still as capable of perpetrating some sudden mischievous freak as a boy of twenty standing before the looking-glass in a snow-white shirt and blue silk braces sipyagin set to brushing his hair in the english fashion with two brushes while valentina mihalovna tucking up her little shoes under her on a low turkish lounge began to tell him various pieces of news about the estate about the paper factory which sad to say was not doing as well as it should about the cook whom they would have to get rid of about the church off which the stucco was peeling about Mariana about kalomietsev between the husband and wife there existed a genuine harmony and confidence they did really live in love and good counsel as they used to say in old times and when sipiagin on completing his toilet asked valentina mihalovna in chivalrous fashion for her little hand when she gave him both and with tender pride watched him kissing them alternately the feeling expressed in both faces was a fine and genuine feeling though in her it was reflected in eyes worthy of a raphael In him in the commonplace peepers of a civilian general precisely at five o'clock neshtanov went down to dinner which was announced not even by a bell but the prolonged boom of a chinese gong the whole party were already assembled in the dining-room sipyagin from above his high cravat greeted him cordially once more and assigned him a place at the table between anna zararovna and kolya anna zararovna was an old maid the sister of sipyagin's deceased father She smelt of camphor like stored up clothes and had an anxious and a dejected air her position in the household was that of kolya's nurse or governess her wrinkled face expressed her displeasure when neshtanov was seated between her and her little charge kolya stole sidelong glances at his new neighbour the sharp child soon guessed that his tutor was ill at ease that he was embarrassed he did not raise his eyes and scarcely ate anything kolya was pleased at this till then he had been afraid his tutor might turn out to be cross and severe valentina mihalovna too glanced at neshtanov he looks like a student was her thought and he's not seen much of the world but his face is interesting and the color of his hair is original like that apostle whom the old italian masters always depict as red-haired and his hands are clean everyone at the table indeed glanced at neshtanov and as it were had pity on him leaving him in peace for the present he was conscious of this and was glad of it, and at the same time, for some reason or other, irritated. The conversation at the table was kept up by Kalomietsev and Sipyagin. They talked about the provincial council, the governor, the highway rates, the terms of redemption, their common acquaintances in Petersburg and Moscow, of Mr. Katkov's school, then just beginning to become influential, the difficulty of getting workmen, fines, and damage caused by cattle, but also of Bismarck of the war of eighteen sixty six and of napoleon the third whom kalomietsev dubbed a capital fellow the young Junker gave expression to the most retrograde opinions he went so far at last as to propose ostensibly as a joke it's true the toast given by a gentleman a friend of his at a certain birthday banquet i drink to the only principles i acknowledge the ardent landowner had exclaimed to the knout and to Rodera. Valentina Mihalovna frowned and observed that this quotation was de très mauvais goût Sipyagin, on the contrary, expressed the most liberal opinions. Amicably and rather carelessly, he opposed Kalomietsev. He even jeered at him a little. Your apprehensions in regard to the emancipation, my dear Semyon Petrovitch, he said to him, among other things, remind me of a memorial drawn up by our respected and excellent friend Alexey Ivanitch Tveritinov in 1860 and read by him everywhere in the petersburg drawing-rooms there was one particularly nice sentence describing how the liberated peasant would infallibly go torch in hand over the face of the whole country you should have seen dear good alexey ivanitch with distended cheeks and round eyes bringing out of his infantine mouth torch torch he will go about torch in hand well the emancipation is an accomplished fact where is the peasant with the torch tveritinov kaliumyatsev answered in a gloomy tone was only so far wrong that it's not peasants but other people who are going about with torches at those words neshdanov who till that instant had hardly noticed mariana she was sitting at the further diagonal corner suddenly exchanged glances with her and at once felt that they that sullen girl and he were of the same faith of the same camp she had made no impression of any kind on him when Sipyagin had introduced him to her why was it her eye he caught at this moment he put the question to himself at that point wasn't it shameful wasn't it disgraceful to sit and listen to such opinions without protesting giving grounds by his silence for believing that he shared them a second time neshtanov glanced at marianna and he fancied that he read the answer to his question in her eyes wait a little they seemed to say it's not time now it's not worth while later on. There's always time. It was pleasant to him to think that she understood him. He listened again to the conversation. Valentina Mihalovna had taken her husband's place and was speaking out even more freely, even more radically than he. She could not comprehend, positively could not comprehend, how a man of education, still young, could adhere to old fashioned conventionalism like that i am sure though she added that you only say so for the sake of a paradox as for you alexey Dmitritch, she turned with a cordial smile to neshtanov he was inwardly amazed that she knew his name and his father's i know you don't share semyon petrovitch's apprehensions boris described to me your talks with him on the journey neshtanov flushed bent over his plate and muttered something unintelligible he was not so much shy as unaccustomed to exchange remarks with such distinguished personages Madame Sipiagin still smiled upon him. Her husband supported her patronizingly. But Kalomietsev deliberately stuck his round eyeglass between his nose and his eyebrow, and stared at the student who dared not to share his apprehensions. But to confuse Neshtanov in that way was a difficult task. On the contrary, he drew himself up at once, and stared in his turn at the fashionable official. And just as suddenly as he had felt a comrade in Mariana, he felt a foe in Kalomietsev and was conscious of it. He dropped his eyeglass, turned away, and tried to laugh, but unsuccessfully. Only Anna Zaharovna, who secretly adored him, inwardly took his part, and was still more indignant at the uninvited neighbor who was separating her from Kolya. Shortly afterwards, the dinner came to an end. The party moved on to the terrace to drink coffee. Sipyagin and Kalumietsev lighted cigars. Sipyagin offered Neshtanov a genuine regalia, but he refused it ah to be sure cried Sipyagin. i'd forgotten you only smoke your cigarettes curious taste kalomietsev observed between his teeth Neshtanov almost exploded i know the difference between a regalia and a cigarette well enough but i don't care to be under obligations almost broke from his lips he restrained himself but at once scored this second piece of insolence as a debt to pay back against his enemy mariana madame sipyagin observed all at once in a loud voice you need not stand on ceremony before a stranger you may smoke your cigarette and welcome besides she added turning towards neshtanov i have heard that in your set all the young ladies smoke quite so neshtanov answered dryly it was the first word he had spoken to madame sipyagin well i don't smoke she went on with an ingratiating light in her velvety eyes i am behind the age in a leisurely circumspect fashion as though in defiance of her aunt marianna drew out a cigarette and a box of matches and began smoking Neshdanov too smoked a cigarette lighting it from marianna's it was an exquisite evening kolya and anna Zarovna went off into the garden the rest of the party remained about an hour longer on the terrace enjoying the air the conversation became rather lively kalomietsev attacked literature sipiagin on that point too showed himself a liberal championed the independence of literature pointed out its utility and even referred to chateaubriand and the fact that the emperor alexander pavlovich had bestowed on him the order of saint Andre, the first called nishtanov did not take part in this discussion madame sipiagin looked at him with an expression which seemed on one hand to approve of his discreet reserve and on the other to be a little surprised at it everyone went back to the drawing-room for tea we have a very bad habit, Alexei Dmitritch, said Sipyagin to Nestanov. We play cards every evening, and what's more, a prohibited game. Think of that. I won't invite you to join us, but Mariana will be so good as to play us something on the piano. You're fond of music, I hope, eh? And without waiting for an answer, Sipyagin picked up a pack of cards. Mariana sat down to the piano and played neither well nor ill a few of Mendelssohn's songs without words. Charmant, charmant kalomietsev from a distance shrieked as though he had been scalded but this ejaculation was vociferated rather from politeness and neshtanov too in spite of the hope expressed by sipyagin had no passion for music meanwhile sipyagin and his wife kalomietsev and anna zaharovna had sat down to cards kolya came to say good-night and after receiving a blessing from his parents and a large glass of milk instead of tea he went off to bed his father shouted after him that tomorrow he would begin his lessons with alexey dimitritch soon afterwards seeing that nestanov was hanging aimlessly about in the middle of the room turning over the leaves of a photograph album with an embarrassed air Sipyagin told him not to stand on ceremony but to go and rest as he must certainly be tired after the journey that the great principle of his house was freedom nestanov availed himself of this permission and saying good night to everyone went away In the doorway he stumbled against mariana and again looking into her eyes was again convinced that he should find a comrade in her though she did not smile but positively frowned upon him he found his room all filled with fragrant freshness the windows had stood open the whole day in the garden just opposite his windows the nightingale was trilling its soft melodious lay there was a warm dull glow in the night sky above the rounded treetops it was the moon making ready to float upwards neshtanov lighted a candle the gray night moths flew in from the garden in showers and went towards the light while the wind blew them back and set the candles bluish yellow light flickering strange thought neshtanov as he lay in his bed they seem good people liberal positively human but i feel so sick at heart the Kammerherr, kamerjunker well morning brings good counsel it's no good sentimentalizing but at that instant in the garden a watchman knocked loudly and persistently on his board and a long drawn-out shout was heard listen there right answered another lugubrious voice oh mercy on us it's like being in prison end of chapter seven